I'd ask you to open your Bibles and turn with me to the intertestamental period of your Bible, between the Testaments. Turn to the end of the book of Malachi, the beginning of the book of Matthew. You may have a few different things in this intertestamental period in your book, in your Bible. There may be, like mine, just a sheet that says the New Testament. There may be an introduction to the New Testament. There may be an introduction to the intertestamental period. Very unconventional this morning. But it's been a few weeks. It's been on my heart. I'm excited to share with you what God's laid on our hearts this morning. If you're there, say amen. amen. So we're looking between the Testaments. We're not looking at Malachi chapter 4, and we're not looking at Matthew chapter number 1. We're looking between the Testaments. As I said, you may have an introduction to the New Testament. You may have a, a filler sheet that states that you're about to open the New Testament. You may have a, a long, one of my Bibles has a long note about the intertestamental period. So whatever you have in there, just know there's no scripture right there, amen? So our text this morning comes from between the Testaments. Let's read it together. <laughs> Nothing, right? Nothing. Now, you may have an introduction to the New Testament. You may have, uh, my, like mine, it just says, I'll, I'll read it to you, the New Testament. That's what mine says. Maybe you have an introduction to the intertestamental period and you've got a historical introduction. Praise the Lord. But there is no scripture that you will find between Malachi chapter number 4 and Matthew chapter number 1. If I'm not mistaken, some people, uh, some people that use the Apocrypha, which is not accepted as canon scripture, uh, some, I believe some of that is supposedly set between uh, Malachi 4 and Matthew 1, but we, we don't accept that as Scripture. Um, and, and so just in all reality, uh, we've always looked at this intertestamental period as, as what? Silent times, quiet times, uh, times where we, don't, we haven't heard from God. The, 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 what have we heard most recently? Well, we see from the prophets uh, and all the way back to the book of Genesis, what you'll find is that there was a buildup to the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Amen? And so if you, if you study your Bible and you look back through the, the history of your Bible and you look at the context of your Bible, you will see the Old Testament uh, pointing to Jesus Christ who would come and fulfill the law. Now, that is what we see beforehand. Now, after this, as we move into the New Testament... Uh, we see Jesus Christ, the Messiah, come. We see Jesus Christ as the Messiah come. He fulfills the prophecy. He fulfills the law. He lives a perfect life. He does not sin. He is, uh, he's crucified on Golgotha's hill. He's buried in a borrowed, to borrowed tomb. Uh, he gets up out of the grave. Uh, he preaches, and he, he's uh, witnessed to uh, many people who witnessed him in his physical form after he, is, after he got up and walked out of the grave. And then we see that he ascends to heaven. And then on down through the, the pastoral epistles and down through the book of Revelation, we find ourselves at the end of the book of Revelation, we find ourselves in, once again, a silent time. Amen? We're in a time where there's no new revelation. 
No matter what someone says, no matter what someone may tell you, there's no new revelation been given to man since the end of the canon of Scripture. God's not given us anything new. God's not uh, using apostles and prophets any longer. Uh, he's not giving anybody anything that anyone else can't have. We have God's full revelation from the book of Genesis all the way down through the book of Revelation. And we thank God that we have this full revelation of His Word. But what I want to preach to you this morning with the help of the Lord is faith in the quiet times. Faith in the quiet times. Let us pray and we'll begin this morning. Lord, we love you. We thank you for blessing us. We thank you for touching us. God, you do so much that uh, is, is your precious unseen hand. And God, we thank you that even in these silent times here between the Testaments, Lord, and this seemingly silent time that we're living in today, God, we know that your hand has been working and has been moving uh, for the generations. And God, if you were not to return for another 1,000 years, God, if you didn't come back in another 2,000 years or another 5,000 years, you would still be God. And we thank you for being who you are. We know that there's someone that one day will be born, even in this moment that we live today. God, we know that they may be born and they are the last soul that will be saved. And God, we just thank you for that promise of your son and his return. God, we thank you for your precious word in Jesus' name. Amen. So we just thank the Lord that we know that the Messiah was prophesied to come and as he came and he lived and he died and he ascended, what, have we, what did Jesus tell us? He said that he would come again and he would come to get his church and he would come to get his people. And there's a lot of things that go on. There's a lot of situations and circumstances going on in the world right now. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I'm not here this morning to preach the newspaper to you. Uh, I'm here to preach the Bible to you. And so let's just remember and realize that there are circumstances and situations in this world that they certainly point to the coming of Christ. But no man knows the day. Not even the angels in heaven know. Uh, Jesus said that his Father only knows the day of the return of Christ. But much like this time that you find between Malachi chapter number 4 and Matthew chapter number 1, we're living in some silent times. And by way of introduction of the thought of the silent times that we're living in today, we see how our society has turned more and more against uh, the, the, the Word of God has turned more and more against any kind of moral compass. It used to be that uh, seemingly uh, lost people and seemingly whip, wicked people still seem to have some kind of moral compass. Uh, but we have lost that. Even in the church house today, there's a lot of people that come to church and they don't have any kind of moral compass. They don't seem to have any direction. Uh, we, we think about the, the millions of children that are killed by abortions and all the people that are killed in the foreign wars and all the things going on, the those little babies that were killed over there in Israel, we see these things going on, and it just breaks your heart. And we wonder, Lord, why are you being silent? God, why are we not hearing from you? God, could you just come on back? And I believe he's coming back, amen. I thank the Lord that he's coming back. But the point is this morning is that we are living in silent times where there's no new revelation, there's no new scripture, uh, the, God's not given any prophet, any new thought or anything to tell anybody, but God is still God. God is still on his throne. God is still in control. And even as we said just a moment ago in our prayer that maybe it's a thousand years or two thousand years or five thousand years before Jesus comes back, the reality is God will still be God then. God is still God now. God was God yesterday. God will be God forever. And no matter what takes place in this world, God is still God. God is still sovereign. And Jesus is still coming back. And so we thank the Lord for that promise. And certainly we see things that go on in the world that point us to the coming of Christ. I mentioned just a, just a while back 
the natural hatred for the Jewish people is one of the greatest proofs to me of the reality of God. One of the things that, that God has done, I believe, to prove himself to us is how he has told us in his word that the Jews would be scattered about and that they would eventually come back together, but also that they would be persecuted, they would be hated, and, and he would give them power, control, he would allow them to prevail, and God has done all those things. God has proven himself about the Jewish people. During this time between Malachi 4 and Matthew 1, this intertestamental period, this time between the Testaments, you find these Jewish people, they had been told that a Messiah would come. They had been steadily receiving prophecy throughout bondage and throughout captivity. They had been steadily been receiving prophecy, even as we preach recently from the book of Ezekiel. You find that throughout all the judgment that God sent to Israel, rightfully so, the judgment on his people, he still sent grace and he still sent mercy. And he also pointed them to the fact that he would send a son, his son, the Messiah, to come and fulfill the law, to live and to die and be the final and last and single sac sacrifice for their sins. And so we find ourselves here in this silent time, this intertestamental period. God is not speaking through a prophet at this moment. God is not using any new methods, any new miracles, any new ways that man can visually see during this time. But what are the facts? God had told the Jewish people that he would send them a Messiah. God had given them a word recorded that he would, give them, would, would send them a Messiah. God had proved to them over and over and time and time again that he would send a Messiah. But he was a little quiet during these times in the minds of the Jewish people. He had been steadily for, for years speaking through all kinds of different ways that man can see, man can hear, man can experience. But at this very time and moment we find ourselves, this roughly 400 years, God seemed to be silent. The Messiah is coming. We haven't seen him yet. Some still faithful. Some falling away. Some faithless. Some hopeless. But nonetheless, God said, I will send the Messiah. Now, during this silent time, there were a few, a few things in the background that God was doing that nobody really saw until a little bit later. God was silent vocally, but God's hand was moving mightily. The first thing that you see is that between 333 and 331 B.C., Alexander the Great and his mighty and great army conquered a huge swath of land from modern-day Turkey all the way down to Egypt. And that included Palestine or historical Israel. And what God did by his hand in allowing Alexander the Great to conquer all that land is the Greek culture was spread across the land. And moreover than the Greek culture, that brought with it the Greek language that was spread and readily used to the point where the people, the Jewish people spoke Greek and your New Testament, it was written originally in Greek and not in Hebrew. 
So God sent, before he sent his Messiah, through, through the hand of a conqueror, through a, a, a seemingly wicked man to some people, God sent someone that would bring a unified tongue, the Greek language that would be spoken as far as the known world was at this time. Not only did he send Alexander the Great, but prior to Christ being born, the Roman Empire spread to the point that it overtook what Alexander the Great had, had taken over. And the Romans, they were picky people. They were smart people. They were intelligent people. They were particular people. They were so particular, the Romans, what you got to know about the Romans, they have found ruins of Roman buildings in Britain that piece by piece, inch by inch, match ruins found on the other side of the Roman Empire. They were particular people. We can't even figure out the, the way Romans made their concrete. Builders, there's a slew of builders in here. You ever heard about Roman concrete? I mean, they've got stuff that's still standing a thousand plus years later. We can't even figure out how they did it. And it was consistent across their empire. What did they do? They built a road. They controlled from the British Isles down to the Spanish-Iberian Peninsula all the way over to the Near East to historical Israel. That's how much the Roman Empire spanned. And they built a road and a network system across that entire empire. And not only was there a road system across that empire, people in great part spoke the same language. So what was God doing during these silent times? God was making a method and a way where people could travel and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ that, that, he could, that people could understand and hear and know about the good news of Jesus Christ, and he used wicked people to make that happen. Amen? We thank the Lord that he's willing and he's able to do that. So that's the, the historical background of this time. God might have been silent by way of prophets, but his hand was mightily moving. We'll get to, back to that in just a few minutes. This roughly 400-year period of time God was silent by way of prophets. Jesus was coming, and we know that now because we have a record that Jesus Christ came and he lived and he died. But imagine being a Jew during this time, this quiet period. No one had heard anything. We haven't heard from God in 100 years, 200 years, 300 years, 400 years. It starts getting dark and dreary. Alexander comes in, and he was, uh, he, he was recorded as a friend of the Jews. But you'll find this time passed, there were people that, after Alexander died, his, his empire was distributed between a number of generals, and their next ruler was a wicked man. And as time goes on, the Romans come in, and the Romans, with the Romans, you're either in or you're out. You're going to be a Roman, or you're just going to shrivel up and die. The thumb of, of these societies was great on the Jewish people. And depending on which time you lived in, God still hadn't spoke. There's been no new prophecy. But I want to tell you a few things this morning about faith in the quiet times. 
First thing I want to tell you this morning is, thinking about this being a Jew during this quiet time, let me tell you something. It may be quiet, but we have His Word and we have His promise. It may be quiet today in this time. And you say, well, what about all this going on in Israel? Yes, this points to the return of Jesus Christ. But I'm here to tell you there have been no new prophecies. There have been no uh, new apostles. There have been no uh, new things that God has given man the ability to do or God has inspired man to tell you and me for 2,000 years. When the canon of Scripture, the book of Revelation, ended... God's word directly to man ended at that time. But don't get discouraged because we're seemingly in some quiet times because we have his word and we have his promise. And he told his people during this time all down through the generations that they would sin. He would send his son, Jesus Christ, that he would send a Messiah. And during this quiet time, it would be easy to get faithless. It would be easy to get hopeless. We haven't heard anything. It didn't happen during grandma and grandpa's age. It didn't happen during great-grandma and grandpa's age. It didn't happen during mom and daddy's age. When is God going to send the Messiah? It's easy to lose faith during these seemingly silent times. But I'm here to tell you this morning, while God may seem like he is silent, his mighty hand is moving. Brother Danny, did we not see God's hand move in your situation? Brother Jeff, have we not seen God's hand move in your situation? I'm here to tell you, there was a day we went to the doctor, and the doctor looked at us and said, we see a spot on your little girl's heart. We don't know what it is. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know uh, uh, how to explain it. Uh, No man has been able to figure it out. But God's mighty hand moves. And while he may be silent by way of his prophets, he may be silent about his son coming back. He healed my little girl heart. He healed Brother Danny. He's healed Brother Jeff. He's done amazing things in your life. And also, moreover than that, greater than the amazing miracles that he's done, he has given me this precious word that is as real and as true today as it ever has been. So there were people, I would guarantee you, during that intertestamental period that they got down and they got sad and things got dreary and things started happening and things started getting bad. And they said, remember, God's given us his precious word. And he's given his promises. People say, well, you, don't, uh, you weren't there to, to see uh, Jesus die and resurrect. Hey, all I can go on is my faith and how the Spirit of God has dwelt with me and showed me that it is true and it is real. And if you don't have that in your heart today, I'm afraid that at the return of his son Jesus Christ or at the day of your death, you may stand before God on deaf ears and saying, I've never, I never heard this, but you have. God has given you word. He has given his promise. He has given his spirit. He has worked amazing miracles. He has done things beyond what we can understand. So it may be quiet, but we have his word and we have his promise. He told him during this time, he said, I'm going to send a Messiah. And he's telling you in this time, Mama, that Messiah is coming back. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. You see, the thing is, let me challenge you with something. Now, I know there's things going on in Israel. Please don't take me wrong on this. Don't let your thoughts of the rapture of the church, your thoughts of the return of Christ, be only when something takes place in Israel. We, at any moment, Christ could return. And God looks down upon us, and he wants us to be about his business. He wants us to have our mindset on the return of the Son, Jesus Christ. That's what his word teaches and tells us. So don't let your, your thoughts 
of the rapture only be when something's going on in the prophetic timetable in Israel. It's a prophetic timetable, amen. But about, you watch, listen to me. There are a lot of people out there, especially young people, TikTok preachers and, and other stuff I've heard in the past weeks, be very, very, very careful because there's a lot of people, there's preachers. We want to trust that preachers are preachers. We want to trust that Christians are Christians. But they want to influence you about what's going on in the world, and they're doing it to get views. They're doing it to, to build uh, some kind of hype. And as soon as this thing dies down in Israel, their, their realization and their beliefs in the rapture, you won't hear nothing about it. Think and consider the return of Christ all the time. He said he would come as a thief in the night. I can't tell you, and anybody that gets on the Internet and says they can tell you when Christ will return, they're a liar and they're a fool. They're blaspheming God. The Bible says we'll read in just a moment. We're going to turn to Matthew 24 in just a moment. My Bible teaches me that not even the angels in heaven know when Christ will return. And while it builds excitement inside of me to know that something's going on, that God foreordained and God told us about and God prophesied about, Please be cautious and be careful. That's a side note as your pastor. It may be quiet, but we have his word and we have his promise. And what better thing to go on through this life? We have his word and we have his promise. You realize that God, in, since the days after this intertestamental period, English has become, an, uh, has become a language that's spoken around the world. Anywhere you go, people's, I mean, you can go to European countries. I don't know so much about other places, but especially in Europe. I mean, they've got their signs written in English now. I mean, it's common knowledge, common ability. God's used, once again, a language that a King James Bible could be understood about anywhere you go. And when it, where it can't be understood, God has burdened missionaries and people with a heart to take the word in their language to them. God's still working. God's still moving. God's still getting his word out there. It preserves. It prevails. We have his word and we have his promise. This thing I was thinking about when I was considering these quiet, silent times is that people have lost faith and they've lost, lost hope, but he, have, he has proven himself again and again. When I was thinking about this, and, and I was talking to some about this, this thought, because it's, it's hard to think about opening your Bibles to a blank page. How do you preach that? During this period of time, these silent years, much like the day in which we live today, there were people that lost the faith. There were generations that became uh, uh, turned against God's Word. We're seeing that right now. And no doubt there were people that maybe 200 years into this silent time, they, they, they said, uh, Brother Zach, that's just a fairy tale. It's just a fairy tale. It's just some nonsense that Grandma and Grandpa believed. It's just something uh, that, that, that Mom and Daddy believed. It's just something that, that my great-grandparents believed. And I don't know that I'm going to believe that a Messiah is truly going to be coming because I've not seen it. Mom and Daddy didn't see it. Grandma and Grandpa didn't see it. Great-grandma and grandpa didn't see it. That's a terrible reason not to be a Christian. But somebody else didn't see it. The devil will rob you 
The devil will use his devices to rob you, and he seeks. Hey, he's our enemy, amen? He seeks to rob lost people from the promise and the purpose of heaven by corrupting God's Word. He's done that since the beginning. And what he wants to do in this day today is, con- is make Christians useless for God because we begin doubting that God's actually God because we haven't seen anything miraculous happen. And we can go back generations and generations and generations since the life of Christ. But see, we have his word and we have his promise. And God's hand has been moving and working this whole time anyway. But we want to see it written in the sky, don't we? We want a neon sign flashing in the middle of the night. It's not how he's working. It's not how he's moving. And that's okay. He's God. We've got his word. We've got his promise. And his mighty hand is moving behind the scenes each and every moment. People have lost faith and they've lost hope. But I'm here to tell you, he's proven himself again and again. All my life, you have been faithful. I was thinking about that. My my goodness, think about that. How God provides and how God moves and how God richens everything. Don't go listen to him, but heard old Jesse Duplantis. He said everything he touches turns to gold. There's people that listen to that junk. Anything you've got that turns to gold, you better be careful. And be sure it's not because it's your reward on this earth. Be sure it's, God, is this your gift to me and what do I need to do with it? Who do I need to give it to? I'm telling you what, I'd be careful everything I touch turns to gold. I want to look and see, is this my reward? People have lost faith and they've lost hope and they've focused on the tangible. They focus on what I can get, what I can achieve, what I can do, how great I can be. That's their reward. There's preachers doing this. There's church people doing this. During this time, I imagine a family maybe sit down, and I'm, I'm throwing a little Baptist into this Jewish culture, but maybe sit down and having their, their hey, those praying people, have grace before they eat. Where do you think we get it from? Thank you, Lord, for your bounty, for what you've given us. Maybe that last prayer said in a home, because faith was lost, that God was God because they had not yet seen the Messiah. You understand what I'm saying? As time goes by and people don't see certain things and they don't lean on their word in this Bible, they begin to lose faith. Well, Grandma died. We're going to pray a few times in the memory of Grandma. But then a generation forgets because it's become religious. And what happens with religion that's not true religion is it goes so far and so long that somebody's going to lose the faith. Somebody's going to say, this is crazy. We don't even believe in God. Why are we still praying? Have we not seen that? Here in these quiet times, there are some people that lost their faith. We haven't heard from God. We haven't seen God. We haven't heard any prophecies. We haven't seen any miraculous, amazing things with our eyes. Is he still God? These times, like we find them between Matthew and Malachi, they're silent times, but the faithful people, there are faithful people still serving. I begin to think about this, and in my mind's eye, I begin to see 
someone, maybe a priest, in his little community. They hadn't heard from God in prophecy for 300 years. They wouldn't see Jesus Christ come for 100 years. But I see this man maybe standing there in Jerusalem, and he's on the corner, and he sees people that used to come, and people that used to participate, and people that used to offer sacrifices, and people that used to be faithful, even though they themselves haven't heard or seen from God in all this time. And he may stand there and he says, and he looks at people as they pass by and he says, come, listen, I have urgent news. I have something I need to tell you. God's going to send a Messiah. Please come and listen. God's going to send a Messiah. Be faithful. Follow the law until God sends our Messiah. And he pleads with people. And he tells them, I have urgent news. Come, come, I have urgent news about a Messiah. Now, in this little scenario, that Messiah wouldn't come for 100 years. It'd be 133 before we would see the full revelation of what his work was on this earth. But he says, come in, I have urgent news. I promise I'm going somewhere. Say the preacher done fell off the turnip wagon. Let me give you a word in this time between revelation and the rapture quiet times between revelation and the return. We haven't heard from God in 2,000 years by way of a prophet. Amen? We haven't seen a pillar of fire. We haven't seen a, the Red Sea part. We haven't seen new scriptures. We haven't seen a people walk around the fortress faithfully and the walls fall. Have we? Man, these are quiet times. These are silent times. It may be quiet, but we have his word and his promise. And what does he tell me in his word? He says, I am going to come back. Go to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Verse 35, he says, Heaven and earth, this is Jesus, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. He has given us his word, and he has given us an eternal word. He's given us a preserved word. If, if, you, if somebody burnt every Bible on the face of the earth, I believe God would give it back to man. Jesus told us, I have given you my word, and our, his word is going to prevail. And we thank God for that. There ain't nobody else that's been able to do that. No one else has been able to achieve that. It's because of the mighty hand and the power of God. And because of God's power and because of God's might, it may be quiet in this time, but I have faith in this word. And what his word tells me, and what he tells in, in Matthew 24, go read that whole chapter, what he tells us is that things will happen, wars, rumors of wars, famines, hardships, persecution, all these things are going to take place. You find that about the prophetical words that God, that God gave through Jesus Christ. You will find that oh, there's a lot of things that are going to take place, but he's coming back. 
and what I have to walk on and what I have to, to have faith in, what I have to preserve me and take me through this life is that we have a word and we have his promise. He has promised us that he will return. There's people that have lost faith and hope, but he's proven himself again and again. And while we don't see with our eyes some of these things, and while I didn't come in here this morning with some revelation that nobody's ever known, God's promises have always been good. And he has proven himself again and again. If you, have, if you can't have faith in his word, you need to look at his promises and his faithfulness in your life. And if you will look at how faithful and how good he's been to you, you will begin to look at his word at a greater light. To, to take his word and put it in a position that it deserves to be in. Look at how faithful God has been. Look at how good how, that God has been. Look at how terribly he has been treated in not just our nations but across the world. The Gentile people that he chose to send his son to die for, to welcome into his family. How faithless people have been. How wicked people have been. How wicked people are. But yet God still loves all the people that he created and has allowed to be born upon this earth. He still is preserving time for us. He's still giving an opportunity for someone to come and be saved. He still has a word here that if people would just look into and just study, they would find the truth and the hope of Jesus Christ. He's been so good to us. He's been so merciful to us. Hey, he may be quiet, but he's still good. He's still God. He may be quiet, but he's proven himself again and again. If we begin going around this building and telling stories about what God has done, we would realize God's not as silent as we think he is. Amen? And when we get faithless and we say, God, why is this happening? Lord, why have you not come back? Why is this not going on? Just start thinking about how faithful he has been. And you won't be able to be, complain about how quiet you think he was. God, you've done so much. Lord, you've blessed. Lord, you've proven yourself again and again. The last thought. These times are silent times, but the faithful are still serving. Look at Matthew 24 and verse 46. Blessed is the servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. There were some people during this intertestamental period, they held the faith that their Messiah was coming. There were some people that Jesus come across in his earthly ministry that he stumbled across some Jewish people that held faith that the Messiah was coming. And in our day today, it's our responsibility, church, to be these faithful people, to be about God's business, to hold true to what his word says. To be faithful with what he's told us to do. That, blessed is the servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. The faithful are still serving. And you know what? It's my responsibility. And it's your responsibility as Christian people to be on that street corner like somebody days and days ago. You know, there may have been some priest during that period of Malachi, between Malachi and Matthew. He was the only one. Uh, there was only one family would come to make sacrifices. He was the only one that was faithful. He was the only one that believed. He was the only one that, that, that thought God would actually send his Messiah. And that may be one of us today, folks. 
We may be the last one that comes to church. We may be the last one that studies our Bible. We may be the last one that has faith. But God is still God. God is still in control. God's word is still good. God's faithfulness is still beyond our comprehension. Be faithful. Whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. When the trumpet sounds, it'll be too late. When he comes back, It'll be too late. When you draw your last breath, it'll be too late. In that dying moment, if you read accounts or if you've ever been around people that pass away, oftentimes there's regrets. I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd done that. People are given a prognosis that they will not live much longer, that they'll pass away soon. Their body is rejecting treatment. Some people, thank the Lord, I thank God's God's mighty hand for protecting y'all yesterday. Some people, they don't have that opportunity. What is a blessing for some of us to get out of a very scary possible accident? For some, that's it. They don't even have a second. Have you considered not even having a second to pull your thoughts together and prepare yourself to meet God? That's why I say, don't let the newspaper determine your thoughtfulness of the return of Christ. Be faithful and see that and have joy and be projected forward and have faith. God, you're in control. And everything that you've told me, it's coming to fruition. But God, when the, new, when the cycle goes back to some nonsense that I don't even want to read, I'm still thinking of the rapture. Why? It says, Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Be about the Father's business. We do not know. I may never rest my head on my pillow in Lester tonight. If you got room, dig a hole and throw me in the ground over here. If that was the case, if I had another hour, a few hours, a day, Lord, I want to be about your business. Because it may seem like quiet times, but God's still God. It may be my day. It may be my day. Say, you're 27-year-old. God's no respecter of persons. You don't say, well, hold on, you promised me. It's not how it works. It may be Josh Boyd's day. It may be your day. You may not make I'm not trying to scare anybody into anything. But we should tremble with fear. Because God has proven himself time and time again. And if we are faced with the return of Christ, or we're faced with the death in this very day, are we found about his business? Are we found faithful serving him? Are we found true to his word? Does he look upon us and say, blessed is this servant. I see a faithful servant that I'm coming to take home. See, all too often, it's these saints of God, the older folks, that they've learned there's no joy, no treasure in this life. And they're 80, 90 years old, and their passing into heaven is so wonderful and is so sweet. They've learned to let go of all the cares of this world. Many 
forced to let go of the cares of this world because they've been humbled to the point where they have to lean on God. And that's no disrespect to any saints of God that's passed on. But isn't it sad that some of us may say, I could not be found faithful today. 